0: Food, film, and music. Some of our greatest loves in life. Welcome to Seems to Me with your co hosts, Sibylline Sariano and Steve Ricardo.
1: Greetings, my darlings.
0: Come flirt with us today. <laughs> All right. So I just got to say that I'm loving this. This has been so much fun and we're going to keep doing this. We have a great show today super prepared for you. And we're going to we're going to talk about Greek food. We're going to talk about David Bowie. We're going to talk about the documentary Studio 54 oh, which yeah. is ridiculously fun. And uh, I've got some fashion advice and some fashion thoughts for you today. So um, I just wanted to kind of circle back and say, I'm having a really great time being a gallerist. I now am in my third week of this new entrepreneurship that I have started. I've which been there twice. I know. Steve, <laughs> you've, you've actually been there more than most people. That was my plan. I love it. It's been really cool. And you got to come and join us this Saturday when we had a Meet the Artist with my father, Jean Sariano, and I got to interview him and showcase who he is to the general public. And what's your impression of my father?
1: I was really, really impressed that I knew who Francis Bacon was when we were talking about Francis Bacon. Mm -hmm. I was talking with some of the other girls that worked there about one of my crazy artists that I love, and your dad immediately knew who we were talking about, and I was like, wow, I wonder if they ever hung out, because that would be really cool, and you know what I wanted to mention? I watched your interview you did on Instagram. You should tell people about that.
0: Yeah. That was really cool. You liked it? Yes.
1: You interviewed your dad. I
0: did. I did. So we did a 30-minute interview with Meet the, you know, we did a Meet the Artist 30-minute interview, which... I gotta tell you, this is the first time I'm doing all this sort of doing stuff. a great job. Thank you. I, I mean, I just started watching it this morning and was like, oh my goodness, are people gonna really react to this? Is this is good? He looks like he's falling asleep, but he's not, because he's just focusing. <laughs> he looks like an artist. To oh, me. He, he is a... He looks like a, a crazy he, artist. He is. That is, the, that is the thing. He is a crazy <laughs> artist. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's like his life story needs to be heard. And that's what I'm trying to do here is like, my dad's 77. He lived through World War II. He was born in World War II, I should say. He was in the French army. He escaped Algeria during the Algerian revolution and they moved to Vichy, France and he decided to become an artist. He went to De Beaux-Arts in Paris. like, a And then he, story. he came to America for the American dream with like pennies in his pocket. Yeah. You know, it is. It is the American dream. It's the it's a great story. And I, I do
1: recommend that people go down the 460 Harrison Street in the south end of Boston and check out the gallery. Yeah, I love it. You. I'm not just saying that because my co-host here, it's her gallery. I really love it. I'm going to hang out there.
0: It is. It's, it's a it's, fun it's, place it's, to hang out. That's part of it, too, for me, is that I want to create a place where people come to hang yeah. out. It's going to have events. We're going to do live music. It's so much more than just an art gallery showcasing mm. You know, contemporary, abstract easy to park, part. too, by the way.
1: this, this parking lots. I parked on the street Saturday.
0: Yeah. Which there, is and people free. <laughs> are telling me that it's not easy to park. So let me say that you just come down Albany, go. come down Albany Street, go to 367 Albany Street. There's two parking lots on either side. You can park in there. On Saturdays and Sundays, it only costs $10 to be there for over 90 minutes. If you're there for 90 minutes, it's free. So, you know, my dad's artwork, just so you have a visual in your head as you're listening to the show, he's colorful, he's whimsical, it's humorous, it's funny, his titles are just really, like, it pulls it all together. When you read the title, you're like, oh, my God, this guy is a character, you know?
1: I love the way he uses the colors. I can see where you get your love for colors. Right? I mean, that's it. It's, it it ran down. It did.
0: next generation. 100%. My dad, like I said, used to walk me up and down Madison Avenue, 5th Avenue. I was born in Manhattan, which is why I want to talk about Studio 54 today. Your because dad's been there, too. My dad has been there, and he well, told me he his story. during the
1: heyday, I mean. You know?
0: I mean, it was only open for three years. Yeah, 77, you know? <laughs> he was there. So, wow. um, anyway, thank you. So, Sibylline, the Art Gallery, 460 Harrison Avenue. You want to come in off the uh, Albany side. We're There's in this. There's train sea. stop
1: probably near there too, but I don't know which one. There's got to be mm. one down there. Gosh, we you have had to, to go look there, did I don't know. I'm We will find is. out. it has got to be. A,
0: <laughs> anyway, a you could take the Silver Line bus if you're a bus <laughs> guy. Um, and then I also wanted to touch on a couple things that I realized we missed as we were having such great dialogue about the last two episodes. Um, we covered Gary Clark Jr. in our very first episode, no, and. I just got to say one thing that I was remiss to say is my favorite songs. Um I love Gary Clark Jr. I love what he's doing. I think that he is the Jimi Hendrix, Marvin Gaye, Prince of the modern era. He is the the it rock god if you will of current, you know, rock and roll. And my favorite song is Low Down Rolling Stone. Um, another one that is completely different than that one. That one's kind of blues. Then he does Feel Like a Million. Now, Feel Like a Million is almost like a rap song. and or it's, it's like reggae, rap, funk blues. He crosses over. Oh, man. I mean, when I feel like a million, I put that song on. I'm jamming in my car. I got a little dance going. You know, I mean, it sounds
1: like your theme song.
0: Oh, (laughs) I've often wanted it to be my theme song. And it talks about Friday night and getting paid. And I'm like, it's Friday night. I'm getting paid. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you are really in a good good mood today. I
0: am. I'm feeling charged up. (laughs) Um I have been so like physically and mentally depleted these last two shows. So I this is me today. You're this a hard is me worker. I'm on The Guitar Man. That is an incredible song if you haven't listened to Gary Clark Jr. The Guitar Man. That's another one. Pearl Cadillac, sexy, sultry. It's got this beat in the beginning that is just on point. And then obviously he's better known for Bright Lights, which is what made him famous, what got him kind of on the radio. It's a great song. Talks about his night in Manhattan and wh- how he wakes up on the floor and all the bright lights and this and that. And you know, most of us have experienced nights like that in Manhattan. So, oh yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about your Paramount nights <laughs> and uh, Studio Fifty Four nights, and you know, all ties together. And then I wanted to circle back on our second episode. No, wait, second episode. Yeah, we yes. talk about Arcade Fire, yeah. right? So Arcade Fire, my two favorite songs that they do are "Wake Up" and "Everything Now." Two good ones. Yeah, so I think those are just a big sound, right? Oh, like, yeah. wow, it's like you—they get you. You feel it in your core.
1: When I saw them uh, a few years ago, they encored with "Wake Up." It, mm. it obviously is mm-hmm. the one that it gets the crowd. It's such an explosive song.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's, the, that's the word yeah. I was looking for. Like When I say big sound, you just said it. Yeah, like, they have... Mu-
1: that's a, mu- a band full of multi-instrumentalists. You know, they're so talented, you know? Mm-hmm. Really talented.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're the one who wanted to talk about them, and I really... Like, I realized that of all the musicians that I'm f- super familiar with, they're probably the least of them. So it was interesting to talk about them. That was kind of your part of this show that you were bringing to the, you know, table. And so I really needed to go back. Once you talked about them and we, we you discussed all fell in all love that, with them
1: because of what I said about
0: them. Yeah. I, well, it I happens. needed to know more.
1: That's why it's all happening right here.
0: Exactly. You're the music man. <laughs> You're my music man. So, and then I also want to do a call back to the Capital Burger. Um, the Capital Burger joint, which is actually um, on Street. one... Fifty Nine Newberry Street. Just so Ooh. everybody could know that, because we didn't okay. say that. I was actually going to go back there this weekend, but ended up um, not doing that because I I've been dreaming about the hamburger. <laughs> I, I'm I'm I, like I still taste it. Is that good? You're so, eating a
1: hamburger and listening to Gary Clark Jr. and you and uh, Arcade your life
0: Arcade Fire and David Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> I've been doing my homework. So. <laughs> The burger, people. Let's talk about the three different parts of the cow that are in the burger, which is what I didn't know last week um, off the top of my head. I reached out to my friend Ileana, giving a plug out, you know, shout out to her. Brisket. Oh, yeah. Short rib. (laughs) Even better. And Chuck. Those are the three parts that they put into their burger. And then I actually saw a picture of what the... Swiss cheese looks like. They actually like brown it on the top of the burger. (gasps) Woo, yeah. Orgasmic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. Especially um, with people
1: like myself that don't eat red meat. It sounds so wonderful. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Don't you want to just go down and get one of those burgers?
1: They have, they have, they, I think you mentioned they have uh, vegan
0: options. They do. So when we'll talk about some vegan, um, Uh, vegetarian options today for you. But they do have lots of options. Actually, one of the things I got that day was... um, I love deviled eggs. I don't know about you. I do, too. I'm a big deviled eggs fan. Yeah, they're awesome. Right? Like, when a restaurant has deviled eggs, I have to try them. And sometimes they're garbage, and sometimes they're great. Right?
1: Right. When you go to those, like, what they used to call old man bars on the corner of the road, (laughs) and they get the jar sitting on the counter with the boiled eggs and the vinegar... Not so much. Thing. But maybe yeah, <laughs> at <that> the sounds awful. <laughs> maybe at the Capitol Grill. Capital Grill, right?
0: Capital Burger.
1: Capital Burger, mm-hmm. it might be a little better.
0: Yeah, they, they I I will say, not the best um Deviled eggs I've ever had. You know who had great deviled eggs was Lord Hobo. <laughs> oh B Side Lounge. No. B Side Lounge. B Side. Wasn't that the restaurant that was in yes. Cambridge near Oleana? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There. Deviled eggs were redonculous.
1: Redonculous? Yeah, oh, that's my word. I like that
0: word. I came up. I personally think that I came up with that word in college. I'm sure plenty of people use that word, but anyway, I've been told that people think it's funny when I say it because they've never heard of it. It's I used ridiculous. smothercade me
1: was my word. Smothercade me. I like that. I had a thing with one of my ex-girlfriends. Can we smothercate each other now?
0: <laughs> I love that. You know what's another word I often use?
1: <laughs> I think we just changed the whole script of the
0: show. <laughs> yeah, we did. Another word I think that really some summarizes this perfect feeling is overwhelmption. Overwhelmption. <laughs> this is like a whole
1: show. You realize that. I mean, I could come up with other words, but I'm not coming
0: up with Wait, them. we have Smother Kate, we have Redonculus, and overwhelmption. You want to know what w- overwhelmption means to me? Of course. When I look at my house and there's shite everywhere and i've got to you know vacuum and sweep and i have dishes in the sink and i got to make my bed and i got to fold the laundry and i've got a thousand things to do in the house i get overwhelmed
1: people are pulling out their dictionaries looking for these words
0: yeah well there you go it's it should be in the uh, webster dictionary. so what do you got on the plate for today so on our uh, agenda for today we are gonna do a a little plug for our favorite Greek restaurants in town, in, in and around town, because actually I don't really know of any Greek restaurants in downtown Boston that I know of. Um, but I am going to give a big, warm, lovey shout out to one of my favorite restaurants of at least 25 years now that I've lived here, the Greek Corner on Mass Cambridge. Ave in Cambridge, right yeah. on the Cambridge-Somerville line. You can walk there from Davis. I used to go there all the time when my boutique was on Holland Street. You know, it's hard to replicate Greek food, like true, off the boat. I mean, I've spent some time in, in actual in Greece. Um, I went there in college. I actually went there for my honeymoon. I know Greek food. Honeymoon in Greece? Oh, wow. let me tell you. It was magical. It was really cool. And the food, I mean, Greek, true Greek food is vegetables, feta cheese, fish. I mean, it's just so pure and fresh. And that's not really what we get here and not what we think here. People think of the gyro, the hero or whatever you want to call it. But what I do love that happens here in America that you don't necessarily buy when you're there is the moussaka. Mm-hmm. To meat, and I know, again, mm-hmm. it has meat. I'm sorry, Steve. It's but, okay. you know, I'm a meat lover. What can I do? Um, There's nothing you can do about it. I tried. I've nothing. tried. I've tried to become a vegetarian. It doesn't work. Some people work. can't. No. I like me some meat. So, I moussaka. Up, I just want
1: to tell you, I grew up eating meat. I know you. My mother's born in Italy.
0: You got, so. you got my, like, Sunday gravy, right?
1: Right. Well, we don't call it gravy, though. Sauce. Sauce.
0: Yeah, Who who came up with this whole Sunday I, gravy thing?
1: I don't know, but I don't like it doesn't represent Italian sauce at all.
0: But do you know how many Italians I hear refer to, like, Sunday gravy?
1: To me, they're not real Italians.
0: You can quote me on that. Thank you, Mr. Ricardo. I've always wondered that because I'm technically not Italian, even though people always think I am. And I did study in Italy, so I can tell you I've eaten Italian food. And they don't call it gravy in Italy. Gravy is what you put on chicken and turkey. Yeah, it's not red. It's not red. (laughs) It's brown. And it comes from the grizzle and all that stuff that comes off the, you know, meat sauce.
1: The first time I heard that, I was visiting a friend of mine in Long Island, and they were Sicilians. They weren't from—their family was from Sicily. They were all born here. And they were, like, passing the gravy, and I'm looking at them like, what the hell? Gravy?
0: (laughs) But see, here's the thing. I think that we would find 50-50 on the gravy thing because— I know a lot of Italians that call it Sunday gravy or something like that.
1: Not so, this one. All
0: right, good. I'm, I'm down with that. All right, so back to our beautiful Greek people. So I actually have a background in Greece. My grandfather, my father's father was from Thessaloniki, which is the north side of Greece. Not the islands, but the northern part, north of um, Athens. I've never been there myself. But um, we have, we're like Sephardic Jews, technically. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up Jewish. My mother's Christian. I grew up with her. So, I mean, I have this whole side of my family that are French Algerian Jews. Berber is what they called it in North Africa. But he was from Thessaloniki, and he was a Jewish man from Thessaloniki, which is unusual, I think, in my mind. I I think of, you know, Greek people as as Christian. Yeah, I wouldn't think of them as Jewish. Right? Yeah. So... Moussaka and spanakopita, those are my two favorite dishes. And spanakopita is vegetarian. It's feta, spinach, mm. it's phyllo dough wrapped Ooh. around it. And everybody makes it differently. Some make it more salty. Some make it less salty. Some make the phyllo more, you know, thick. Some people make it more thin and fluffy and buttery and crispy. And that's the one I like. I can't say that Greek corner makes the best spanakopita, but they do make the best moussaka around. And then there's, of course, the horatiki salad, which you would love, which is tomato. Um, Oftentimes they put pepper in it, always feta cheese, and just like lots of tomato, lots of feta, cucumber, and then oil and vinegar and salt and pepper. It's just pure. And we need to go down there after one yeah, of these shows. Let's go. Um, and so let's talk about your favorite vegan place. Before
1: I talking talk about vegan crust, I wanted to mention that I lived in a story of Oh. so i used to eat a lot of greek food no there.
0: way talk yes. about that for a second well it was I've just never a been.
1: neighborhood <laughs> it was I right hear. over the uh i used to take the n and the r train to go yeah. in and out of the city a lot but it was really quick getting from manhattan to astoria in
0: Queens. but it's known for its yeah, you know middle greeks, eastern and greek yeah. food right a lot of
1: greeks a lot of good greek food and uh unfortunately i'm not up on all the names of everything like you are but I, I do remember going there. This was a while ago. This is in the early
0: '90s. No, but it's still there. And I mean, I, I've I've really fallen in love with Middle Eastern food in the last two years um, because I have p- wonderful people in my life that are from Jordan. I, I mean, I eat Middle Eastern food now all the time. And my understanding is when you go to Astoria, it's like the real yeah, deal. It's, it's you great know, there. like like really good shawarma. Um, Mansef, uh, what else? Gosh, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not prepared <clears> to <throat> talk about Middle Eastern food yeah. right now, but, I mean, Greek, it, th- it's like all Greek food, right? Yeah, as
1: good as Boston is with restaurants um, yeah. and food, New York still has the Uh-oh. edge. Uh, please. Doesn't <laughs> I even hate to hold say it. <laughs> now all the Red Sox fans will be mad at me, but I don't care. So well, we're uh, not
0: Yankee fans, so there you go. There
1: is a place right across the street from where we record here in Somerville at 445 Somerville Ave. They have two locations. They also have one in Brookline, which is a more oh. uppity part of town. The place is called Vegan Crust. They have pizza, panini, pasta, Indian food, salads, dairy-free ice cream. They make their own dough, their own sauces. They make everything, and it's 100% vegetarian with vegan options, uh, which is becoming more and more popular. All their uh, food and gluten
0: free. Do they have gluten free? Yeah,
1: I was going to tell you that my go-to's when I go there is their gluten-free pizza, hmm. and you can get it with um spinach and feta cheese, which Ooh. is what we're getting today when really? we leave. Here. I've never had because I already with told you we're going across cheese. the street to eat there today.
0: Yes, yes I'm uh, ready the, to do that. The tonight.
1: other thing I I want to mention because we, we're very food heavy <laughs> so far is that they have these freshly squeezed juices, and I personally like the celery, cucumber, lime one. Mm. It's just those three things together in a nice
0: squeezed juice. Well, guess what?
1: Squeezed juice. I came hungry. Well, well, I think you might be treating... I don't know why I think that. Maybe because I got you a $7.50 <laughs> latte say that. at the Diesel Cafe. All right, Diesel, my will you throw here?
0: Steve Ricardo a freebie next I week I love for Diesel. Me, I'm sorry,
1: but that's a lot. Eight dollars for, a, for yes. a
0: dirty chai. I asked it's for a-, a dirty chai, people. Okay, a dirty chai has chai, a shot of espresso, and <laughs> I had asked an for extra almond milk. Shot, though. No, I just said shot.
1: Oh, I get, got you an extra shot. Oh, well, good. I need it. <laughs> well, you got it.
0: I have a co- I have my Starbucks coffee that I got on the way, knowing full well that Steve had a dirty chai for me, <laughs> apparently, with an extra shot. which I, I do like go, my caffeine. You know,
1: because of the pandemic, you can't walk in and do things the way you normally do. You oh, have to order it oh. on a computer. So I had to go ask them first, how do you order a dirty chai? Because I had no idea.
0: I, I just kind of discovered a dirty chai. I mean I gotta tell you, it's I don't know if you've ever you're not really no, a No, I don't drink
1: coffee. Drinker. I did get but you an Americano too, last friend. time knowing you like that.
0: I did. Okay, well yeah. next time I'll ask you for the Americano. I, I'll get you the
1: dirty chai, so i am fine with it. I mean talking. the
0: eight dollar dirty chai. No, I I think that's a obscene too, so I'm I'm down with you. No 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 cup of
1: coffee should be $8. With That's your ridiculous. lifestyle, I think an $8 coffee makes
0: sense. Yeah, well, he was just admiring my uh, my car outside yeah, and thinking nice I'm car. like some, you know, hoity-toity. It
1: doesn't look, it, it makes my Toyota Corolla nook- not look like much.
0: All right, can we talk about why I did it? I have a beautiful used used it was one owner prior to me they kept it in mint condition it I lucked condition. out this car had 48,000 miles on wow. it 48 it only and cost you 48,000 no no <laughs> it's seven years old thank you very much and it's a e350 mercedes-benz
1: I mean obviously opposites attract on this podcast <laughs>
0: Dude, I've never had a Mercedes Benz in my life. I've all right. Never it's had my dream car. I'm 46 years old. Do I deserve my dream car?
1: Okay. If you want to put it that way, it's my you're a very young looking 46. Can I just say that oh. to like make sure that the young, flirting part you. of our show?
0: Apparently, you, know, you don't give out your age, but I'm proud to say I, I'm 46. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to segue now into fashion. Okay. Okay. So, fashion. I had to think on this. What am I going to give my my beautiful audience here about fashion? And I think the most important thing right now as we head into May, when we all start to switch over our closets, because I don't know, like Steve, you're going to like roll your eyes at this, but most of us women um, switch over our closets. I have a winter closet. I have winter <laughs> shoes. My eyes I aren't, have fall aren't rolling shoes. <laughs> I have summer shoes, I have spring shoes, and I have a spring-summer wardrobe that I swap over, and I have a fall-winter wardrobe. Wow. wow okay, I have wow. two closets in my house, and I just flip-flop them. Wow. And that's the fashionista in me here. So I get to talk about what I do. This is what
1: you've d- done for a living your whole
0: life. Though. Exactly. So I'm not really that surprised. No, I'm born, this is this is my passion this is what fires me up. I love all things fashion, all things color, all things clothes, shoes, accessories, you name it. You always look fantastic, by the way. I, Thank I, you. I'll tell you. If I re- didn't, that, that, would, that, would, that would be really bad, wouldn't it?
1: While I was driving here today and I drove by down Holland Street and I looked over to where your store used to mm-hmm. be, I was thinking about, you know, like, huh. That's where Sibylline used to be. I remember when I went in there, you never gave me any crap about the way I looked or anything. But as time went on, you started giving me more and more advice. And you love button-down shirts, which I have one on right now. And most people that know me know that I usually have rock T-shirts on, Mm -hmm. okay? And my Vans hat or or something like that.
0: Yeah, you've got a vibe. You've got a style. I said that week one.
1: But I'm very conscious about my fashion when I'm around you. It's like it, it's all because of you, really. Because I never really got to know another fashion designer. I'm not good buddies well, with I Calvin hope, Klein. Or I would anything,
0: hope that you know. you know that I'm not judgmental when it comes to people's style. I appreciate all style, and I appreciate everybody. You, you wear like silver eyeglasses. I think that's cool. Like not silver, as in like metal. They're like plastic silver. I have pink readers. ones and green ones. I know, too. and you were wearing pink ones last week. Yeah, you've got your own vibe, and Thank that's you. totally. Like, on point. it It is totally on Coming point. Coming for I you, say. I
1: feel very on to hear that. I don't think you that. need to
0: worry about it at all. But just to say what you said, I think many moons ago I told you that a man should wear a collared shirt. Like Yes, you did. It's not so much <laughs> that I, I don't – I do appreciate the T-shirt. I appreciate the sweatshirt. I appreciate all that. But if that's what you wear all the time, then you're going to look sloppy. Personally, that's just my take on it. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. I
1: love your honesty.
0: You know, like if you're going on a date with a girl, don't just wear. Yeah, as soon as a I get my t-shirt. Bumble
1: account going, I'll be going on a date.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying to all the men out there: if you're going on a first date, unless you're wearing like a Supreme or like a Gucci or I don't know a rock shirt, okay, I'm down with a rock t-shirt for a date. That's cool. This it has is, to have a vibe.
1: This is a little off topic, but then again, it's on topic. A friend of mine who keeps, female friend of mine who keeps telling me I need to start dating and I need to get my Bumble account mm-hmm. going told Spare me yourself. I can't wear a hat in my photo on Bumble. Is that true?
0: Well, I mean, from <laughs> what I hear, you should, you know, at least have at least one or two shots of like what your hair looks like.
1: Oh, okay. Because
0: I think that <laughs> women aren't going to go for like, some women aren't going to go for the bald man.
1: Yes, yeah, so she was
0: right. Yeah, I mean, well, you can. Well, I'm can't... not
1: bald, but you... I don't have the hair that I used to have. Let's put it that way. From... I used to have thick, beautiful hair. You
0: did. Sexy, beautiful hair. Now
1: it's very short and not yeah. as thick. <laughs> I
0: think, you know, from what I understand, that happens to everybody. Yeah. Okay, so what I wanted to cover today on fashion is the color of 2021. So, according to Pantone, the color of 2021 is a combo. Between what they call ultimate gray and bright yellow of lemon skin. Mm. And guess what? Do you know what my logo is of my new art gallery? It's yellow and gray. And I didn't even look this up before I came and decided to do my logo. Why am I not
1: surprised by
0: this? I have to say, like, this has happened my whole life. Like, I see things and my mind absorbs things. Like, whether it's magazines, whether it's going into a bookstore, whether it's... Seeing people walking down the street, I take in subconsciously this this uh, inspiration, I guess you would call it. And I knew right away, like I was struggling between am I going to do red, am I going to do orange, am I going to do yellow. But at the end of the day, I knew I was doing yellow and I knew I was doing gray. And that was just what it was. So then when I went into Pantone yesterday to look at what the color of the season was, I was like, you got to be kidding me. How did I pick this up? I, I Again, I don't know how it happens. It's just when my... i I was saying this about creative people. Like I've had to shut my creativity off many times in my life when I'm in the middle of a big project and I'm sketching and I'm designing and I'm I go through magazines. That's the first thing I do is I pull up I like the actual magazine. Because I also do it with coffees. with Pinterest, of course, but yes. I'm old school. So I'm gonna put together a color story on a color board. And I go through magazines and I pull tears and I Organize them into color combos and color stories. And then I create a color story on a board that might be, you know, um, Kelly Green with highlights of, you know, gray and cream or something like that. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. But so when I just saw what Pantone had to say about this, it's, it's all about the pandemic, ironically. Uh, hmm. I mean, not ironically, I guess, but a combo of dull, familiar gray with the bright yellow of lemon skin. It's called Ultimate Gray, and it's a state of mind, which is mush. <laughs> the gray of cloudy... Mush. mush. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, haven't we all felt a little mushy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I felt mushy.
0: <laughs> um, the gray of cloudy skies, sidewalk cement, comfortable bed linens gravity blankets or low light screens. This color evokes, you know, that ultimate gray, I guess. And then and then it's the juxtaposition to, I love that word. I've been using it a lot lately. This bright, vibrant, fun yellow that just reads sunshine and happiness. And this is the hope of the future of twenty twenty one is this yellow that we're about to like walk into here in the spring.
1: I'm going home later. I'm going to get my canvas out. I'm going to find some mm. black and white, make some good gray, and I'm going to find. Some, I got a lot of yellows. I oh, like yeah. to paint yellow. I use acrylic paint.
0: I'm telling you, we've talked about this put yellow. Put together
1: something. Yeah, you gave me an idea while I was sitting. Exactly, there. inspiration. And my right good there. friend, who you've met recently, Alvin Long, who's one of the best artists in Boston, right down the road. I'm going to mention this to him, and I guarantee he's going to give me some good feedback on this.
0: I I really look forward to getting to know Alvin better. Um we've popped into his little studio space the last couple of times after each episode and I've had to I've had places to go and things to do after each one of these episodes, but today I don't. He he and loves hang talking out about guys.
1: fashion by the way. He's really wait. into the NBA players and their fashion because there's a lot of fashion going on. I I gave oh, you a copy yeah. of Vanity Fair to look at all these NBA players. So Vanity Fair that. from
0: April 2021 has um the chick from The Queen's Gambit which was such an- oh Anya Taylor-Joy. What an incredible actress first of all. Such incredible fashion on The seen Queen's that Gambit. Show yet. What get on it. Get on it. You've
1: been giving me all these <laughs> assignments to watch all these shows. It's cuz of you I haven't gotten uh, to that
0: yet. I highly recommend it to all people. I've always been fascinated with chess and i don't really know how to play it but i think the strategy of it is so phenomenal and so i love poker and i love cards i could like hold my candle at a table of all men with poker wow. and i have i've taken down a table of men at poker it's just <laughs> i'm telling you i love it and i want to go surprised when all my friends are talking about babies and nails and this and that with all the, you know, girls, I'm, I'm in the other room with the guys playing poker. <laughs> that does not surprise me. So, okay, where do we go from here? Do we go to Studio 54? Yes. Okay, so Studio 54, it's carefree, it's hot, it's sexy. It's April twenty sixth, 1977, and you're waiting out in line. 30 people deep to get into the hottest, newest nightclub on 54th and 8th Avenue in Manhattan. What are you wearing, Steve?
1: (laughs) I'm not sure if Steve Rubella would have let me in, but, you know, maybe.
0: (laughs) I'd like to think that we would be let in. When you think about
1: his taste in men, you know, he could have been interested in me. Because that's how a lot of men got in. Because he would look at the guys and go, okay, we'll let him in.
0: I gotta tell you, he... After watching, I okay, so I We're watched... We're talking about the
1: documentary on
0: Netflix. Studio 54 yes. documentary. Um, and I actually also watched the behind the music or behind the scenes of Studio 54 because I wanted a different perspective. Because yes. I felt like the Studio 54 documentary covers Steve Rubel and Ian Schrager and their whole process of opening up a nightclub how they got there, where they came from, two Brooklyn guys that went to Syracuse University. Good friends. Good, good, good friends. And Ian was straight, and Steve was gay. And they had this, like, crazy love affair relationship that was just, they inspired each other. And I'm inspired by their, um, like, business acumen.
1: I learned a lot. Right? From watching that documentary. too.
0: I feel super inspired because... The way they came up with a business idea and then both of them just brought their skill set. Steve was the people person. Ian was behind the scenes. Um, Steve knew like how to get the press there and the media to cover it and the beautiful people in there. And he would just pick up the phone and call all the celebrities, invite them in. This was all leading up to them opening up Studio 54. It was a nothing. Nobody knew anything about Studio 54. On the night it opened, there were 30 people deep in line, like a mass of people trying to get into this place. And I mean, that's what you want when you're opening up a business. You 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 dream of that. Right.
1: Really exciting.
0: Right. Like I felt like I was there like I. And so. okay, so I'm three years old at this point, maybe two and a half years old. I live in Manhattan. We didn't live far from there. We were in Chelsea. So we were on 8th Avenue, we were on 30th between 7th and 8th when I was little. You weren't far at all. No. And so, um, it's so funny to me because they, they open up this, this, uh, documentary about how, like, people were just, like, waiting to get in. Steve would, or Mm -hmm. Steve wasn't actually doing that that first night, but after that, yeah, the doorman guy, um, so they said that they had to bring all of their security people that they had inside, outside, because they couldn't even control the the odd the the this uh disco mania. Discomania, exactly. And they talk about the fact, and I just can picture this because I've been to nightclubs where you're like, Am I ever gonna see my code again? You you go <laughs> and you like check your code in at door check, and you're like, he says at one point. People were just throwing their coats on the floor because they were just sucked into that, like, doof, 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 you know, like the drum and the beat and the Imagine the
1: end of the night, what the end of the night was like, if it ever ended.
0: (laughs) I don't think it did. It it, it was sunrise. It probably didn't It didn't. I mean, they're on quaaludes and cocaine and, you know, I mean, the drugs, the story of the drugs and the alcohol. So they would apply each day. Fascinating a liquor license because they couldn't get catering. they would get
1: a day pat, a day permit as a caterer which eventually was part of their like and downfall caught up to
0: them for sure so what i found um, was super interesting i don't know if you caught this cuz it wasn't on the studio 54 documentary but i caught it on the behind the scenes gloria gaynor who is famous for i will survive yes. this became a hit song because of the DJs at Studio 54. I believe that. They, she wasn't getting any airtime and it wasn't getting any recognition and they actually went to the DJ and they said, can you listen to this song? Could you listen to Side B? Or I think it was her Side B. And um, I Will Survive. He's like, I love it. This is great. This is going to be great. And they started playing it and that's what got it to like number one. a massive hit. Massive hit. That she is who she is and you think about 1977 and the whole, like, polyester thing, um, you know, Gloria Gaynor, that was her it moment, yes. right? And it was because of Studio 54, so I thought that was a little interesting tidbit. We haven't even covered what we're actually going to cover about Studio 54, but anyway, what's your take on, um? what's your take on everything? Well, I got a bunch of
1: notes here, so I'm just yeah. going to go through them. You know, like you said, they opened in 77, they were shut down within a month because of that liquor license, of license problem. They reopened the day later. They closed for good only, like, in 1980, February. Schrager and Rebel pleaded uh, guilty. Oh, Sorry? Yeah, 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 you're right. No, they, um, bo- they both pleaded guilty to tax evasion and spent 13 months in prison, and the only reason why they got out early is because they threw some of the other clubs under the bus. They
0: were closed down I didn't for good. say
1: that Obama, uh, you know... Uh, Pardoned him. him. I know I in, have in that. Two thousand seventeen. <laughs> I didn't go that far ahead. Well, the documentary talks of you one thing you mentioned that was really amazing is how they were able to control the press and mm-hmm. the amount of publicity they got.
0: Like I'm the fascinated fo- The by
1: this. photo of Bianca Jagger on a horse, everyone knows that photo. Mm-hmm. That photo was everywhere. And
0: I never knew it was from Studio Fifty Four.
1: They brought a horse into the club. They had to bring it up in the elevator. It was her birthday. Yes.
0: The parties that they hosted, like I'm, I love theme parties. Like everybody that knows me knows that I am all for a theme party, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. And Halloween is like my favorite holiday because I love to get dressed up. Was it up. like everyday
1: Halloween there?
0: Yes, it was. That's <laughs> no. the thing. Like I'm so, like I always felt this way about um, Woodstock too. Like I wished I had been there. I just wish I had been there, and that's how I feel about Studio 54. Me too. I just vicariously yeah. am living through this. And I don't think I would have been the Quaalude, you know, sex on the balcony kind of person, but I would have gone there... <laughs> I would <laughs> have been make? the cocaine kind of person. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I never got into cocaine, thank God. But, I was um, in the music industry. <laughs>
1: Need I, know, I say more?
0: I know. There's so much to this documentary. Th- there's a so much to things it. things that I have to yeah. mention so
1: I don't forget here. Yeah. I noticed that in the documentary hit this hard, too. Andy Warhol, Bianca Jagger, and mm-hmm. Liza Minnelli. They were like mainstays yeah, there. Yeah, three. Every night. And then what I loved in there, in the documentary, is when they interviewed a very young Michael Jackson. <laughs> and they asked him what his opinion of the club was. They said, how would you describe the club? And he goes, escapism. And then Steve Rubell started using that word after he said it, which I thought was absolutely... It was
0: actually more like, it was the best place I've ever been. It's like escapism. Exactly. I mean, his voice.
1: Yeah, exactly. he was only eighteen.
0: He was eighteen. Yeah, n- 1977.
1: Well, nineteen seventy-seven. Well, maybe nineteen. I couldn't believe
0: how high his voice was. I was like taken he aback had by it. Yeah, the
1: great Afro oh, at that time. He looked that was amazing.
0: Like off the wall, Michael yeah. Jackson. Oh yeah, right? he
1: looked. He was just on the top of his game right there. I well, had I know, had people. that poster
0: in my bedroom the, off the wall. I used to kiss it every night before I went to bed. Like I was. Really enamored with Michael Jackson at that time, and it's just so sad to me what he did to himself physically. Um, This is because this is him. That was him. Plastic surgery and everything. Right, right, totally. Okay, MJ escapism. Interesting.
1: Um, I guess I did kind of fast forward because a lot of my notes talk about his interview when he said, "Only the mafia makes more money than us," and that ended up causing the IRS to invade them. They had this skim scam going on. And instead of taking a little bit off the top, they were taking 80%.
0: So let's talk about this, though. Like, if you can think about it, first of all, Ian was 29 years old. Steve's 33. That's at least uh, where... 23, I think. No, no, no. 33. Steve was was. 33. Ian was 29. They were friends at Syracuse, so they were only a couple years apart. And they were roommates. So And so I think, actually, Steve must have been a year or two younger than that. But Ian was 29 years old. Can you imagine having the hottest nightclub? Now, to just circle back, because this is where I get excited. I love business and I love entrepreneurship. So there were 4,000 to 5,000 people that would come in there a night. That ready? Yep. Wow. They're charging <laughs> 15 to $20 a head.
1: Unless they were celebrities, they would get those people in of for course, free, right? Of course, of <laughs>
0: course. But even they said, Mick Jagger... And uh, Keith Richards would get in free, but the other Rolling Stones. I, mean,
1: I love that. When they said that, I love that. The it's other like, Rolling Stones oh, would have to wait, pay the cover. The, uh, Mick Taylor, you're in the Rolling Stones. You don't really look familiar. <laughs> you have to pay to get in.
0: So what is that? 10, 10K. That's 10K just in they people walking through the door. 10K just people coming in. Then you've got the crystal yeah. bottles of champagne. They had you know, princes coming through from the Middle East, from you know, Saudi Arabia, they had, you know, every, every, you were, I have this great quote. Hold on. Steve created this whole vibe of only the beautiful people get in. And he wanted to have fun loving people. He didn't want, he created the term bridge and tunnel. And he said (laughs) that, um, Polyester melts under the lights, so don't let the guys in with the big, like, crazy collared polyester shirts. And bridge and tunnel. I mean, when I tell you, when I lived in Manhattan, we would go to uh, Limelight. I think it was called Limelight. Oh, Limelight, yeah, church. right. it was a church, in the church, yeah, yeah, yeah. Limelight. I we could. I mean, great place. We never actually went because we didn't think we could get in because that was that whole thing. Like, unless you were a model, unless you were somebody famous in Manhattan, you didn't get in the door. And so Steve I must Bell, have been famous. He created that <laughs> whole concept. Oh, did you get in?
1: Oh, I used to go to the limelight a lot because there were a lot of rock shows there. Oh, right. So I was always on the guest list. Exactly. You,
0: know? you were the yeah. important VIP that yeah. didn't have NG I, I, or GN I, on your name.
1: People probably, would probably be upset at me if they knew how many times I'd never paid for a ticket in my life. I got into no, so many No, I would, so e- I would
0: expect that. I yeah. mean, hello, you're, you're part of the music industry. Yeah. You, you get in anywhere you go. I didn't have that clout. So, I remember, like, I always say, I, I I really enjoy being a VIP, Steve. Can I tell you? You're I still li- a VIP. I like being a VIP at a restaurant. I like being a VIP at a nightclub. I didn't really have that.
1: You're a VIP on this podcast.
0: Aw, well, <laughs> it's fun to be a VIP. But, so, um, where was my... Li- So Friday and Saturday night, Steve Rubell would be like, "It's no like the bridge and tunnel crowd isn't allowed." So that means all the people coming over from New Jersey, from Queens, you
1: know, like the Rolling Stones did, or right, well, David Bowie used to go there. But
0: think about it, like you're my dad. Okay, so we'll segue into my dad going. So I said to my dad, "I go, did you ever go to Studio Fifty Four? Like it's nineteen seventy-seven. You have a two and a half year old daughter at home." Did you go? And he goes, oh yeah, I did. (laughs) I went, and I got in. And I said, how'd you get in? Like, that's a big thing. How do you get into Studio 54? And he goes, I don't know. I I guess he just liked me. He said he tried to pick up a basketball player. Like, female basketball player. So I'm thinking to myself, this must have been a model. She must have been six foot something. My my dad is five six on, on his best day. Okay? And he's about 95 pounds soaking wet. So He's in there trying to pick up a six foot something model and it probably, probably was a transvestite. Was balcony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he probably ended up in the famous balcony where who knows what was going on oh, up there. He
0: had a he had a wife at home, but yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He probably did. But yeah, he said it was awesome and he he went and it was everything that you could imagine it would be. It was hot, it was sexy, it was no inhibition you know, there was absolutely zero Inhibitions, and um, one of the things I thought was funny because I I think Trump did this a lot too, and we know this for a fact. They would write on the guest list and um, GN the, uh, notes, next to somebody's yeah. n- next to somebody's, and that meant no good. But they had to put GN instead of NG, and you couldn't get in if you had that on your right. on your name. Hopefully, um, Trump
1: was on that list.
0: <laughs> uh, no, he wasn't because he was definitely there. Probably. What I will talk about the fact that this was a theater that existed prior to being Studio 54. CBS, right? CBS, right? But but it was an actual, like, regal, beautiful-looking theater. It had a slanted, you know, um, audience with chairs and all that. They spent $400,000 to rehab that space. In 1977, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. They had
1: the best people doing it. Yeah. Oh,
0: that guy, the architect. I, I would love to check his Schrager was
1: the one that was behind all that, right? So
0: Schrager, Ian Schrager, is mm-hmm. still in the industry today. He's now one of the top hotel...
1: Yes, he is.
0: Hoteliers. I don't know. Is that a word? Um, He is, I mean, it is the Ian Schrager. He is the man who created the concept of the boutique hotel. How cool is that? Very cool. Like the... The fact that they went from Studio 54, going to jail, getting nailed on tax evasion, and they come back as the Comeback Kids in 1985, and they're on the cover of Time Out magazine, and they're coming back. And they borrowed $14 million. $14
1: the million. they gave it to them.
0: And they gave it to them. Because you know what? These guys were brilliant. Brilliant when they it came were. to being a business, you know, they're... Mm, I could just go on forever. Well, but know, anyway, the Palladium go
1: ahead. was the first place that they opened when they came out. Which I mean we've
0: all heard of yeah. the Palladium. And, and, you
1: know, it's funny because I was gonna mention this, because I know you must have seen in the documentary Calvin Klein going into the mm-hmm. Palladium. Did you happen to notice who he was with? Because no. I did. David Geffen. Because he
0: was gay. Like, David Geffen and, and Calvin
1: Klein went were going into Palladium. Geffen? Geffen records. Okay. And I don't DGC know that Records. Is. It's a big record okay.
0: So tell us Aerosmith about Aerosmith was oh, okay. on that label. You heard of gotcha. them, right? Um, just a few times.
1: Since you shared a column once in the Boston Herald with uh, the guys from Aerosmith, I saw that.
0: They right? were in the Herald,
1: you and Aerosmith side by side.
0: That was the Herald inside track. Yep. I was like, ooh, I made it. <laughs>
1: but the only other things I wanted to mention before we jump on to music is the last show they had after they were told that they had to shut down. They had Diana Ross and Lizza, mm. Liza Minnelli perform, imagine that, the going away party. And then, uh, unfortunately, Rebel ended up dying of AIDS. But they lived together out in the Hamptons. East Hampton. Yep, mm-hmm. they had a mm-hmm. huge, beautiful they place. They still do.
0: And uh, Schrager
1: that. is big time right now in, in New York still with all the hotels. I actually stayed many times at the uh, Paramount. Hotel, 46th and Broadway. Um, I remember one funny story when I was in there. When a put me there one time, I told the travel department, I want to stay here all the time because it was such a cool hotel. And one time I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm just watching people because it's a really cool place. And Matt Dillon goes walking by me. So I got to know some of the door people there. And I said, what's Matt Dillon doing here? And they're like, oh, he lives here. I'm like, he lives here? And he had his own place, the top of the Paramount. So you him know, and Tra- Traeger must have been buddies. Uh,
0: we have buddies. one of those type of hotels here in Boston. The The Liberty Hotel actually has people who come and stay. If they're filming a movie or something like that yeah. in Boston, I have always done my, all my big events at, in the presidential suite, and they gave the, they would give it to me at a really good rate for one night, and I would do all my trunk shows. And there was one time when I booked it, and they were like, well, Right now, Bruce Willis is living there, <laughs> and David Ortiz has lived there, and this, and that, and that, and this. I'm like, oh my god, I'm sleeping in the same bed as like serious people. You know, I mean, it's. I mean, it's I never,
1: name. I've never been there. I used when I was oh, living so cool. in LA, and I would stay in Boston. I would stay at the Elliot Hotel all the time, mm-hmm. and I used to see a lot of celebs there. It was a suite; every room was a suite. I think I mentioned that in the last show too.
0: Well, uh, you know, just maybe to we'll kind get a free
1: room at the Elliot. Oh.
0: House. Yes, you, you've mentioned the Elliott several times, I and I—I it I mean, it's—it's it's a kind of a rock and roll hotel yes. history, right? I, yes. I've never really been in there. I've always admired it from the outside, but I'll have—we'll have to go down. I now. ran
1: into Meatloaf once in the Elliot. No way, I did. I'm
0: I, like, I I, hey, I meet I'm like a um, <laughs> closet Meatloaf fan.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of rock people stayed at the at, stayed at the Elliot. Yeah. And back right. then, when I stayed there, the Tower Records and New Comics were yeah. right around the right corner. Across the so mm-hmm. it was a really good locale. Mm-hmm. You know, anything on Com Ave in Boston. Nice.
0: I remember that Tower Records. It was huge. It was massive. Well, okay. So just to kind of close up the whole Studio 54. If you guys haven't seen it, it's really interesting. It's it's not only interesting because of the music and the fashion and the people that were there, but also I'm really impressed by their their business brains and how how they got something to be so huge so quickly. Um, And, you know, Greece had their premiere party there in 1978. I mean, Greece has been a massive movie for Mm -hmm. so long. And just to think, you know, I mean, that was kind of the it movie then and it place then to have your premiere at a place like that. They had a ton of just private events that were super inspiring to me. And as Steve said, they got convicted on tax evasion. They went to jail. Um, Their last big party was um, he, he. He played. He wore a fedora, by the way, and he played "I Did It My Way" by Frank Sinatra. Yeah, that's, that's how he right. closed the yeah, night. So I cool. thought that was cool, just to kind of close it off on a on a cool song. And I think that we should um, segue into David Bowie because Bowie and Iman also went to uh, Studio Fifty Four and were a big part of that world. Um, but we are going to cover David Bowie as our artist, musician, artist of the the week. Yes, me, we are. Tell me about.
1: Well, I'm going to zoom right through yeah. some of this stuff here. I'm going to just tell you right away my three favorite David Bowie songs. And then albums I'm going to tell because you Because they came out right in order uh, 1971, Hunky Dory, my favorite Bowie song, Life on Mars Changes, Queen Bitch. Uh, you know, Mick Ronson played on guitar and Rick Wakeman on piano.
0: Okay. Seven, Slow down. Slow down. Because you you tell us this like we should know all of this. But think about the people you who should. aren't <laughs> music people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why? Why are those your favorite songs?
1: Why are those my favorite songs? Or well, albums? Well, I'll just, let me just tell you the three albums, because okay. it's yes. Punky Dory in 71, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust in 72, and Aladdin Sane in 73. Uh, Mick Ronson plays guitar with Bowie on those th- records and their chemistry was fantastic and rick wakeman had played on some of the songs from yes the band yes and i think the songs when you look at those records i'll just list the best songs from Mm -hmm. those records life on mars changes queen Mm -hmm. bitch then you got moon age daydream starman suffragette city then you got the gene genie "Panic in detroit and cracked actor i mean he was on a roll now that this is not to say that he didn't have other great periods because he had many great periods, and I'm sure you have other records have that are probably completely different. Out to me. Yeah, but th- that I just wanted to say that that was my favorite era. He was way so glam. He mm-hmm. was glam. Mm-hmm. It was a g- heavy glam rock period, and I love glam rock.
0: Okay. Yeah, you are. You, that is your thing, right? Glam rock. Yes. Is like, I, would you classify The Charms as glam rock or they're garage kind of rock? Glam garage. Yeah. There
1: was a. Uh, what
0: defines garage rock?
1: more dirty sounding, punkier, you know, was a term that came out in the 60s. It could have been any kind of music when it came out, but it ended up becoming a three-chord rock dirtier sound, you know. Um,
0: and when only, you say dirty versus, like, nasty, what what does that, like, differentiate?
1: I don't think there's much of a differentiation. I well, so inst- I
0: always use nasty for blues and, like, funk soul. So, like, dirty to me means more like, you know, like... A little more angry, a little louder bit more guitars, loud. more
1: distorted mm-hmm. guitars. You know, um, glam. You know, on the other hand, is kind of almost the same. The because metal the, the metalhead dolls were kind of like fall into both cat- categories. Who you know?
0: who was that? I'm sorry. The New York Dolls. New York Dolls, kinda, dolls right? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they fall into that category. They were the American punk glam band. But Bowie and Queen and uh, Mot the Hoople and T Rex and early uh, Roxy music, they were more the Glam rock, the, the, where glam started. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. That's okay, so the that. so glam rock kind of meets that whole like pink, yellow hair, the that funky like not funky. Hold on, I'm just trying to put it into like. Yeah. Intriguous. Right. Yeah. That's what I picture. Like to me, Cyndi Lauper falls into that a little bit. Not that. Not that she was. I would classify her as rock necessarily but she was glam she was definitely glammy right yeah she was super yeah. glammy and M- Madonna in the beginning was that yeah, too you could
1: say you could say a lot of people are glam but glam rock is more Bowie queen that guitar
0: yeah so you just listed off your favorite songs Steve and your favorite albums and I'm going to give you my favorite songs Okay. I, I have no clue what albums they were okay. so sorry but um, <laughs> I have right. I Personally have always been drawn to cat people. Oh, okay. I yeah. love that great he- song. deep like doom doom that it starts off with. Like that to me, that song, and that was in Inglorious Bastards. That's when I remember really going, who? Wow. Oh wow, God, this song speaks to my soul for some reason. And of course, fashion, fa, fa, fashion. That is um, a big one. And then Life on Mars, to me, I think the intro on Life on Mars is beautiful, really beautiful. And then as I was driving here, I love Let's Dance. Um, I was listening to Let's Dance, and I love the, the the lyric, put on your red shoes and dance the blues. That's me. Yeah, you, Just You're, sums you're it up.
1: more into the late 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. Bowie. Mm-hmm. I'm into the real early Bowie but I love all Bowie though
0: but that's the thing love he's it all so uh, what's the how do you how do you even describe Bowie because he hits so many genres in some ways like I will say that there is I want to I want to I wanna go ahead and say it was maybe 2010 that he does a live version where well, he's in concert and they videotaped it I found it on YouTube and it's heroes Mm-hmm. And he's wearing a navy shark skin suit with a skinny tie. And he, he he has this dialogue with his band about come to daddy, talk to daddy tonight or whatever. And he's just so, I, I got to get the sense that he's funny, that he had a really good sense of humor. Oh, yeah, he's
1: got some humor, no doubt.
0: <laughs> but like, I never really knew the song Heroes. And it's a beautiful song. What does it mean to you?
1: Do you have oh, like a? That's a that's a hard question. I mean, answer. obviously,
0: it's about being an inspiration to somebody, right? I think everybody
1: right? he's the point he's trying to make is is we all can be a hero if we want to be, you know. I think I mean, that's it's, so
0: important. Yeah. It's such an important message is that you know look at yourself in the mirror and decide today if you want to make a change in somebody's life. Yeah. And that's what music. Never used to mean to me. Music was always like I knew the song, but I didn't listen to lyrics. And now, in my older age, if you will, um, I listen to the lyrics, and they're so important to me. You know, I mean, it used to be about the guitar and the bass and the drums and and the sound, but lyrics. I mean, that is that is what it is, right? And yeah. Bowie's he's lyrics. A,
1: he's, a, he's one of my all time favorites. Um, I just want to talk about one more quick thing about Bowie. There's a book written by Wendy Lee. It's called Bowie, the Biography. It focuses on his, as the New York Daily News called it, astonishing erotic journey. Mm. (laughs) And there's a big section in the book about his relationship with Mick Jagger and Angie Bowie claims she found them in bed together. But model Amanda Lear, who Bowie was seeing at the time, said that David loved Jagger, but he didn't have they didn't have a sexual relationship they really get into detail about that there was certainly a competition between them in fact Mick Jagger said this about Bowie quote be careful of the shoes you wear around david because the next time you see him he'll be wearing them and he'll be wearing them better than you i love that quote wow <laughs> and, i love um, that aside from his two marriages to Angie Bowie and Iman Bowie had a long list of lovers, both male and female, which is heavily documented in Wendy Lee's book. And in 1983, in an interview, he actually declared himself a closet heterosexual, which that's I thought was... So he did a lot of experimenting when he was young. And despite all... But he, mar-
0: he was married to women through that yes, whole thing.
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. So he was a closet heterosexual. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to mention that book. And um, that's what I got on David What Bowie. was the book again? It's called Bowie, the Biography. It's by Wendy Lee, who's an English journalist who uh, knew everything about Bowie and mostly his personal life. Gets into a lot of detail about drugs and sex, even though everyone did say it was the rock that was the most important thing to David Bowie. The the rock and roll was more important than the sex and drugs, but the sex and drugs played a big role in his
0: whole life. Mm. Yeah, well... You would think as a musician that the rock would be the most important part. But I think in the 70s and knowing what was happening in New York City and and all the places between New York and wherever all these amazing rock stars lived, it was always the after party. Yeah,
1: still is, really.
0: Right? I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Well... I want to leave us on a beautiful note here because something that has changed my life in the last two years um, has been reading positive affirmations and um, understanding what the law of attraction means. And I think that this whole podcast came to us by chance um, in some ways. I thought one day I got to reach out to Steve and and tell him I want to be on his show. And then you were like, I've been looking for a co-host and this just organically happened. So I want to thank the universe for having that happen. So here is a, a quote that I think is, is really um, on point for, for what people need to envision in their life. Intention is ruling your life, whether or not you're aware. It's law. It is one with cause and effect. And you can't have action or reaction without it. In order to step into the most powerful version of yourself, you need to have clarity of intention. You need to know not you need to know not just what you want, but why you want it.
1: I'm down with that.
0: Right? You gotta you gotta vision envision what you want, and why you want it, and you gotta create it, and you gotta make it happen, and that's. What Ian Schrager did, and Steve Rubell, and David Bowie, and Gary Clark Jr., and Arcade Fire, and all these successful people. I'm just, um, I'm in, impressed by everybody's stories, and how, I mean, sometimes it takes 10 years to become an overnight success, right?
1: Very true. I like that. <laughs> well, I don't know how to top that, except I'm just going to say thank you to Mike Nash here, and- Voice Motel for recording us and let people know that they can reach us at Seems to seemstomecssr at gmail.com and we have a YouTube page Seems to Me page and please like it, subscribe it and all that.
0: And I would like to give a shout out to my dear friend Mark Femino, his new album Femi La Bouche. We are using Harborside as our intro and outro <laughs> song or whatever you call it. I don't know these podcast That's terms That's close yet. enough. If you ever care to sponsor this show? You're welcome to reach out to us, and we'll give you a little uh, rundown of what that means. So, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Steve, for doing this. Thank you. I'm having a great time.
1: See ya. Bye.